Welcome to Have You Seen This, the world's only podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten visual media. All discussions will be spoiler heavy. You have been warned. Tim. <laughs> and we have a guest this week. One of our favorite guests. She's beautiful and smart, and she has a new channel on YouTube called Hyenas and Gin with some really interesting video essays. I just watched the one on Full Metal Alchemist, and you know, I'm not even an anime person, and it's a really dope video. So check them out. It's Emma. Thanks for coming back on, Emma. Hi, thanks for having me back. Yay. Kind of, given the material. Yeah. <laughs> if only we could meet under better uh, uh, circumstances. I know, I know. I, I blame myself, though, because I know I was always trying to, like, schmooze my way onto your podcast. And I was always like, well, you know, if you ever want to talk, talk Ralph Bakshke, you know, I would be down. And, and the monkey's paw, it curled. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, you had suggested this movie a while back, and then I thought, hey, you know, we need an end-of-the-month free episode, and everyone's heard of this fucking movie. I don't know how many people have actually watched it, but Emma, do you want to tell us what the Fear fuck the we're better. talking about? Yes, we are talking about Ralph Bakshi's uh, Cool World. It is Who Framed Roger Rabbit, written by a 13-year-old boy who said, I can do that better. <laughs> Turns out he can't. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, so, um, God. Where I, I mean, I, let me describe movie? it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Emma has a way of describing it. I would say this is the, the movie that ended my childhood. <laughs> like, we each had a strong reaction to it, I think. Now, I had not actually seen this movie until last night. But oh God, have we deflowered you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I no. Claudius, make sure she doesn't die a virgin. I <laughs> need a sharpie virgin on your forehead. <laughs> and I'll never be the same again. Um, the scales have fallen for my eyes. Yeah, but, this um, movie ruins lives. It's obviously indicative that we're just so bummed out having to talk about Cool World. Now, as I mentioned, I had not actually seen this movie until last night, but. Tim, the way that you put it, I really want to hear your story about young Tim <laughs> seeing oh, this movie. I just, I mean, I, I hate this movie just on like a, a personal level. I mean, I think that the, the thing that we've talked about you know, offline is that it's not a terrible movie. Like, it's not a disaster. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the thing that Jen and I agreed on is that it's just, it's mostly, more than anything, it's a waste of your time. But... For me, being like, I don't know, like a 14-year-old kid, I'm like, you know, super into Tiny Toons. You know, I'm into like, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, you know, I love, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That um, should be like the primo demographic for a movie like this. Right, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I was like super into cartoons. Like, uh, you know, as a kid, you know, and a tween, you know, like there's a... 
you know, not just Tiny Toons. There's a a tune role playing game. I was able to you know corral my my friends into coming over and playing that once. Uh, <laughs> At least you like, have friends. Yeah. So um, so yeah, like that that was my thing. And then of course you know I'm like, hey, another movie about you know cartoons. I love cartoons. Let's you know put this on. Let's it's gonna be you know something wild and wacky and interesting, but just like it. It just there's there's nothing there like anything that is appealing or interesting or fun or innovative about animation is absolutely absent from this fucking movie and that's like I hate it on a personal level because it's it just like it took all the things that I love and just like I I wouldn't even say that it shat on them it just like is you know I don't know it's whatever cartoons what are you gonna do just it anything that I that I loved about animation just like this is the antithesis of that. It's just so, just boring and awful. I fucking hate it. <laughs> That's understandable. Going off the movie that I watched last night, which, as you said, is not like awful. It the experience of watching Cool World was not what I expected, which was to just be, you know, cringing in my seat the entire time, just feeling really just unpleasant feelings. The feelings that you have when a movie has gone like just really wrong but it was just so workmanlike and you know admittedly I'm not an expert on bakshi but it's it was not what I expected from a filmmaker like bakshi and Emma I think in via text you had mentioned how unlike a bakshi film it actually is it is like bakshi films are very like love him or hate him he has a style and he's very kind of self-indulgent and they'll he'll just like stop the fucking movie he'll be like okay now we're gonna have rotoscoping lots of rotoscoping <laughs> of nazis fighting uh fighting dwarves yeah more rotoscoping just like that um and Cool World doesn't have that. There's like little things I see from him. There's like some kind of fun kind of visual gags that are a little like kind of like, oh, I can see kind of where like, you know, Mm -hmm. back she's kind of influenced there. Um, I'm sure we'll go into this a little bit because um, there's one thing I love being on your podcast, Jen. You always kind of do the research. You you understand the assignment. (laughs) Um, Once a nerd, always a nerd. Yeah, um, and I guess uh, when he agreed to make it, he had a completely different concept for what the movie was going to be, and he was sort of strong-armed, and other people took over and stuff. Yeah, um, it was it so- was definitely a case of, of studio interference, and I'm completely the opposite of a Bakshi stan. Like, I know people really love his work. Um, Tim, I think you your feelings are similar to mine. Emma, you sound like you've seen maybe a little more of his work, and maybe would be more of an apologist for him. But the other night I watched, okay, I watched 50% of Heavy Traffic. And yes, I was stoned, but I'll say this, it did draw me in. And again, this is not as a fan or even someone, someone who like appreciates animation, but isn't like, oh my God, squash and stretch. Oh my God, I'm going to come, you know. <laughs> um, it drew me into like a very weird, gritty, dysfunctional world that was I have to say kind of interesting I mean it's like it's fucked up and um he's definitely I, <laughs> I guess it, it sounds hacked to say it but it's like well he's not PC but you know like he's not <laughs> like this is a guy who 
you know, grew up what, in. Whether or not he's PC is the least of his problems. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's uh, because, you know, like heavy traffic is like, you know, it's it's uh, grotty New York City. It's very much of that milieu. It's like, you know, like um, there's there's a whole sequence with a trans person being beaten. It's just like, OK. <laughs> yeah. Hey, New York. What are you going to do? <laughs> Um, you know, hard R N word, like the whole thing. But you're like, you know, this is what he grew up in, and he's putting his youth on the screen. It's like, okay, you know, this is definitely this right. is right singular. You know. yeah. yeah, and it's it is his style and his alone. There's very little of him in the finished product of Cool World. Well, I mean. I didn't see uh, Heavy Traffic, but I did see Wizards when I was younger. Again, you know, to his to his credit, my dad was you know trying to give me a proper you know pop you know culture film education. You know, he's the reason that you know I've seen like Dune and Eraserhead and you know movies of that sort. But then you know he also rented Wizards, and when we got to the end of it, we're just like, what the fuck was that trash? <laughs> like I know Emma, you mentioned the rotoscoping, but I I just can't get past how lazy and ugly Bakshi's rotoscoping is. I understand that like it's important to use like reference and to you know Disney does that like you know they draw off of models, um you know for all their animation, but it just seems like hey, is there a way that like we can maybe do this for cheaper by not having to actually draw people? We can just like trace over, uh trace over film and then have that be like quote unquote animation. Like, oh, yeah, and that's, like, kind of, like, to me, like, watching it, that's, like, a staple of his work, where he either has these kind of, like, you know, like, kind of, uh, you know, I mean, he, he he worked on Mighty Mouse, almost like Mighty Mouse-esque, you know, but kind of weird cartoonish characters and, or just the laziest rotoscoping you've seen in your motherfucking life. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's just, no like, no between. shading yeah. to it. Yeah, it's just, like, oh, this is a person, so, you know, give him, you know, just kind of that, like, beige-pink tone, just it's flat. And just you know everything, just it's just one outline around them, and just like put, put like put at least like pretend to put some effort into this. And I think like that's probably the thing that I'm just you know as a you know as a child fan of animation, what I find so offensive about his work, just like I think on a technical level, is that there's just it's so like empty, it's and it's so workmanlike, it's so slipshod. I don't have yeah, enough and... like adjectives to describe how how much I despise the man's work. Yeah, and the thing about animation is, you know, we've talked about a couple of the giants of feature animation before in the show. Like, we're talking about Bakshi, and before we had talked about um, Richard Williams. And I feel like there should be a happy medium between the two because, um, you know, with Bakshi, you're gonna, you might get very lazy, rushed animation, all rotoscoped, you know, like I'm... Ugh, I keep thinking of his version of Lord of the Rings, which is which just is one of the worst looking movies I've yeah. ever seen. <laughs> oh crap! I mean, they did it. I know that it was a money issue, but it's it, just watching it is like, come the fuck on! Like the Balrog is made out of boxes or some shit. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and I, yeah, I, I can't. Uh, yeah, I can't restate enough my disappointment at Wizards. Not just like the production, <laughs> but also the like story arc and just the characters. Fuck, I hate that movie. Right, and um, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not that familiar with Wizards. I think I watched like part of it at your place once, and I had the same reaction. Like, what the fuck is this? But the point I was going to make is, 
if you kind of take two extremes, which is Ralph Bakshi and Richard Williams, I feel like there should be a happy medium between the two where, you know, Bakshi, you get like the, the, yeah, yeah. with Bakshi, you get like the lazy rushed rotoscoping. And then with Richard Williams, you get stunning, like two minutes of stunning animation in about 10 years. Yeah, yeah, it's just this endless set piece. Yeah. I I watched um, that documentary about Thief and the Cobbler. I forgot what it's called off the top of my head. Oh, Persistence of Vision, which is a very fascinating documentary, but it might make you hate Richard Williams. That's my thing. I came away (laughs) hating him because I was like, no, like everyone's like, oh, this guy's so good. I'm like, no, fuck this guy. He's just a small business tyrant. I'm glad Disney stole his movie. Yeah, because you know they finished it. It's just such an overly ambitious like dick. And also, like I, I guess here's my thing. Like I understand like the importance of animation and what's to be said and stuff. Like um, you know, um, like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, like that swinging lamp and just it's not necessary, but it's just you watch that and the shade going on and off Roger Rabbit because the lamp is swinging and all that shit. You know, yeah. Um, you know, and things like that. But like I'm also like I don't know, but I also feel like you need a story. Yes. You know? Yeah, like that's like, and he didn't. He doesn't. It's like, oh, look, the the, the thief, and you went through, and the, the patches moved with him, and you know, I'm like, okay, but like, what what are his struggles in life? What does he want versus what does he need? Yeah, you yeah. Know? The thing that What's I, the climax. Yeah, I think the thing that arc. the thing that I came away from from that is that yes, yeah, just these interminable set pieces where it's like, look, I'm animating every one of these hundreds of like, you know, of just barely perceptible lines to make this whole thing work. And I'm like, yes, but I'm not entertained by it. Yeah. Like, that's which good is... that, you know, on a technical level, you're able to do this. But, but yeah, Emma, like you're saying, it's like, why do I care? Yeah, which is why he was an incredibly, he was an incredibly prolific commercial animator. He turned out dozens, maybe hundreds of commercial projects for clients and I think that was because he didn't have the final say on when it was going to be finished and he couldn't just kick the can down the road the way that he did not only on Thief and the Cobbler but another movie that we've talked about in the program uh, the uh, Raggedy Ann and Andy a musical adventure Um, both features were taken away from him and jumping off of that um, to get back to the ostensible director of the movie that we're talking about Ralph Bakshi also kind of had this movie taken out of his hands and I feel like it was probably a number of different factors and I am absolutely not going to go to bat for the studio in this case because you know look what they hath wrought Um, they did blindside him with a new script apparently on the first day of production which is probably why it the product does not resemble in any way like the story that he originally pitched to them. Yeah, the but, screenwriter contests that, but then it becomes kind of a he said, she said. Yeah, he said, he the said. The thing, too, about the script, <laughs> yeah. though, is like, in terms of, I mean, there's a lot of problems with Cool World, uh, but the story feels edited. There's all these yes. things that kind of pop up at the end and characters and stuff, and you're like, what? Well, which, um, 
I don't know. And I think that's weird because objectively, this could have been, I don't know if Cool World could have ever been a good movie. I mean, but I mean, what's the plot? Like I said this, I said this on Twitter. It's it's an isekai, which um, if you're not a weeb like me, it's a <laughs> plot where a just a, a loser falls into a magical world where an anime babe wants to fuck him, you know? And that's the plot of Cool World. A guy goes to a magical world and he has an anime waifu and he's not allowed to fuck his waifu. You could have had a story with it. I don't know if it would have been good or whatever, but there was just 50 fucking things going on. And then there's like Brad Pitt's story where like, that's the interesting story. Me and um, my partner are watching it. And um, the first live action scene with him coming back from the war and his mom getting killed in a motorcycle accident is pretty well done. It You're is. like engaged. Yeah. And it's the only good part of the movie. You're like, oh, what's going to happen to this guy? No animation. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen to this guy. His yeah, it's funny. severely curtailed. Uh, other than it just being yeah. like, I'd rather live in the cartoon world, even though he doesn't really seem to like it there much either. Yeah. And it's also really not clear what exactly i mean apart from i mean maybe apart from hollywood played by kim basinger and uh gabriel burns character the cartoonist jack deebs it's like you know they they want to fuck like that's their motivation pretty much um but the problem is that the you know okay, okay like those character traits are like pretty well outlined but it's like what exactly are the rules of this world again and the the barrier between the cool world and you know our world full of noids or you know non-animated people yeah and the the thing it could have been called nopes noips (laughs) now i'm sad because it would have been a good acronym noips (laughs) the thing about the the hollywood character too i think that um given uh how much of this the film was cut down by the studio i mean we assume uh and how much the story changed the question does come up who is this film for? And I think the film is just because it's not for, you know, Ralph Bakshi anymore because, you know, he you know, he didn't get his vision. It is for just the general notion of a horny cartoonist. Like if you're a horny cartoonist, you'd want to make a Hollywood character, you know, to, you know, to jerk off to because, I mean, from my understanding of it, just animators just like 201 are just like notoriously endlessly horny. Well, Tim, I was and... going to say the the expression the phrase "horny cartoonist" is redundant. They're all right, horny. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. are literally all sick fucks. Right. But that's also my my thing too. Watching it is, despite the fact, like I said, the plot, which is a guy wants to to fuck a, a and his anime waifu. It's an oddly unhorny film. It reminds me like Felix Biederman's jokes about like what boomers think sexy is, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, like, it's not at all horny. Like, and it should be. It should be like, here's a thing, like, go back to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I don't know. I feel like this is, like, I keep feeling we're referencing the, the, the good movie and the crappy movie. Yeah. Um, but it's, in, and that's aimed at a family audience. But Jessica Rabbit is very horny. And she's done, like, very intentionally like horny it's kind of delightful to watch you know yeah and this is not horny and it could have been it could you know because who who the fuck care they could have been an r rating you know we could have seen you know tim you know you know kim bessinger's like you know anime anime titties yeah (laughs) and it's oddly not it's not horny at all and i'm kind of mad that's the thing (laughs) because uh ralph bakshi came to them with pretty much like a, a hard r animated film um, Roger Rabbit was a massive, 
massive hit. And but with a it lot was of work still... put into it, which is another thing that differentiates the two. Well, yeah, like a hundred percent. Roger Rabbit was a massive hit, but it was. I mean, also I'll say that it's a family movie because, like, yes, like families can watch it. I, my mom and I yeah, just had a really can be traumatized by it. It's a family yeah. My, movie. my mom and I both had a very unpleasant experience seeing it in the theater like neither of us liked it very much um i think tonally we found it like really upsetting um at an older age i'm gonna be like no you know what that's fine like go ahead upset your audience like that's actually cool when people do that but you know like as a kid it's like oh this movie makes me feel weird um but you know it's got more or less the same kind of uh convoluted story as uh la confidential just you know (laughs) has more cartoons in it yeah Yeah. it's it's an animated chinatown yeah um (laughs) which you know uh like it or hate it uh roger rabbit is a complete like well-done artistic statement um the thing with cool world is that it was supposed to be adult animation like no we're gonna make something for grown-ups and it's gonna be crazy and and sexy and yeah, but it's just like puerile yeah and so th- and i really think the studio lost their nerve they were like how are we going to market a hard r animated movie um i don't think that the well, step one you make a hard r animated movie but right and i don't i don't just figured out from there yeah I, yeah, I don't the right people get it <laughs> the right the right freaks and weirdos yeah yeah it was all those it was it was all the people going into blockbuster video and being like oh evil tunes what's this let's rent this um yeah, or i mean hell there's a market for you know the heavy metal movie you know right. that's been a, a a cult you know favorite for drag for decades and that's like i said and there we go going back to like horny adult movies it yeah. is i don't think it's a perfect movie but you can watch it it's and amusing. get something out yeah. of it you yeah. know yeah because yeah. the thing about heavy metal is like i feel like the early 80s were hornier than the late 80s early 90s i don't know if it was a post aids epidemic thing um or just like um studios or you know the money people being really nervous about what they were putting out into the mass culture because they didn't want much pushback but uh, you know the 80s were kind of an era of like heavy metal and like gross out teen comedies things like that and then by the time you get to cool world in 1992 there's just no there's no desire to really be risk-taking at least not in um, you know, in a feature context. Now, keep in mind, 1991 was the debut of Ren and Stimpy on Nickelodeon. So there was... Yeah, you can't say that there wasn't a market for, you know, gross-out adult uh, cartoons. But that's the thing. Ren and Stimpy came out on Nickelodeon. Like, not Nick at <laughs> Night. Yeah. Nickelodeon, the kids' network, and... Boy, oh boy, did they get a lot of pushback for doing that show. But that was a great show. Because... Yeah, I mean, The Simpsons would have existed at this time, too. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Um, so, you know, the audience was out there. It's just they, like, studios just don't want to roll the dice on anything that is a risk. They're already terrified. It's... They're pouring. Especially not with animation. Yes. And that's something, like, I noticed, which is even now, and like, I don't know, I... I'm like, I don't know where the 90s is. I'm old, Jen. I'm like, the 90s happened like five <laughs> years ago, right? No, it's been like about 30 years since Cool World came out. And um, Western animations, um, animation studios 
still really want to play it safe. So it's all this shit. It's always like a PG Pixar movie, but it's like an allegory for being asexual and having depression if you squint, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, someone made the point like, it's like all these Pixar movies, like all these, <laughs> these are all about like death and like just these yeah. heavy issues. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's, and it's, I mean, there's a little more wiggle room for like what you see on TV. Um, I finished up uh, Castlevania on uh, Netflix which is pulpy but it's, it's kind of fun and grotesque and it's a little has some naughty sex scenes and then you know there's all the the sad adult cartoon shows about like you know what is, someone on twitter was like all these cartoon shows about having anxiety in san francisco um yeah so it's the, there's of, the cartoon yeah. about the depressed horse there is the cartoon about the anxious birds um and then you get stuff like there's a mad scientist with a personality disorder yeah, 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 there you go. And then you get, in- um, you know, on Netflix, you have stuff like Big Mouth, which is a show that I will defend um, because it actually is funny. But, you know, that really comes from like Family Guy opening the door to like, oh, yeah, we can do like really disgusting outre shit, but like in a very contained environment, which is like yeah, TV or but- streaming animation. Yeah, but to make it as like a movie, that's still that's still a no no. Like in the West, like animated movies have to be like PG, and like you know everything's like really soft, and it's like a bunch of like um, normal actors with you know, and so people will be like, wow, did I don't I don't know who the fuck who the fuck's popular now? I don't even know who actors are. Sorry, I'm trying to think. Um, I just want to yell fuck. Minecraft. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be like, I don't know, some. (laughs) I don't even know what actors are, man. It's sorry. It's been a weird year. I'm like dropping the ball on my. Jason Isaacs. Is that a name? There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Oscar. Oscar Isaac Uh, is the voice of this of this donkey. Um, Cool. Oh, but we like set it. Yeah. But we set we set it in Guatemala, you know, um, to, to be like, you know, to appeal to other audiences to show like, you know, cultural diversity, even though if you look at the script and the production, everyone is like a fucking white guy. It's a palette swap. Yeah. 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 That's really true. Um, And it kind of, it goes back to something which um, Mike Staclossa pointed out years ago in the blanket star Wars reviews. Like people got mad at him for his take on, race in the star wars prequels but he was pretty much right like this wasn't the, like, yeah this... i'm just gonna say it not a lot of black people like star wars <laughs> like you know this multicultural casting is not being done out of some like outpouring of sympathy for the plight of people of color it's a it's a it's yeah a it's a box that hasn't grab. been checked yeah yeah, and kind of the end result of, um, you know, a lot of social media campaigns and stuff like that, you know, like your Oscar's so white and stuff like that, they, they quite correctly have pointed out how uh, white Hollywood really is, but it's like, okay, we're going to give some plum rolls to some extremely well-known actors of color. We're going to make like a, we're going to have a black Mr. Darcy you know, or whatever in in Bridgerton, but nothing about the environment of Hollywood, either socially or in terms of labor, is going to fundamentally change. Right, and and the other yeah. thing too that I I notice in fandom, because you know I've been in fandom a long time too, is that you know there's a while where it's like you know the the you know the powers that be you know woke up and they're like, oh, women have a lot of money that we are not getting. We <laughs> yes. need to appeal to them more. I hear they can have their own bank accounts now. Yeah, what is the world coming to? <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, we need so, to empty those bank accounts. Now, um, to bring it back to Cool World and to go back to something <sighs> Do we Emma to? mentioned. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's keep talking about how Hollywood won't take real risks yeah. in an old animated feature. <laughs> this one is this one is like Astro Zombies, in which we'll we'll spend like half an hour talking around the movie because we're yeah, like, just oh, like anything <laughs> but yeah. Can we, can we, we say? But um, yeah, can we talk about like Watership Down or uh, w- w- uh, When the Wind Blows or <laughs> Grave of the Butterflies? Yeah. Ooh, let's Fireflies. talk about Belladonna of Sadness. Yeah, yeah like you can do good uh, you can adult do, animation. You can, but like I said, it's it you can and it's possible, but studios are scared. Right. That's what it comes yeah. down to. They're all they're all fucking cowards. Well, yeah, like it takes it takes. Do I, can, I, can I do my Mr. Plinkett thing? You do it. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. It's okay. I'm a coward too. That's <laughs> so my you, favorite one of you, this. You gotta whisper it because you're deeply ashamed. <laughs> the the word is. I just got excited to say it. Yeah. yeah. The word is tishi or disappointed in the cooking of the duck meat. Ah, uh, I love ten year old jokes. Um, to go back to something which Emma said about this movie being intended as a quote-unquote horny movie but just not making it it's interesting to me how there's obviously a direct line from the Warner Brothers and Tex Avery type cartoons of the 40s oh yeah I did I watched a great documentary about Tex Avery and yeah like that whole like wolf whistle thing and something else that i forgot it's just like yeah we owe a debt to tex avery as a horny cartoonist like yeah good for him so, yeah and so to that end you i mean they're literally horny wolves in this movie but as emma pointed out to me over text like it's just like a shitty cycle of wolves twerking yeah it looks oh, terrible oh. It is like you know they go to the club and that's the thing i guess which is like in my head, I'm like, okay, if this guy's sucked into an animated world and it's called Cool World, and it should be crazy and bombastic and just like a visual overload, and they have no budget. So when he right. goes into the club for the first time, it is those Tex Avery's. Like it's two frames. It's like that little. It's like it's like that little drawing thing where you have one frame with the ball going up and one from the ball going down, <laughs> back and forth. Was it like a loading go, animation? Like this, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> wolves doing a loading animation and you're supposed to be like wow this is a crazy horny club also the fact and this is this is something like so glaringly obvious is um they have to like make a real world set for brad pitt and gabriel God, well i can't sorry I, I get so mad he doesn't pronounce his name the way it's spelled burn God, it looks like brian it should be brian i'm mad anyway just, just Gabe, call him claudia Gabe, black yes mr right, claudia so. black that one's for Tim. So Mr. Claudia Black <laughs> and Brad Pitt, anytime they're like kind of focused on Cool World, there's like a really shitty set that's been built. And the set looks like that rock the kids have to climb up in Nickelodeon guts. <laughs> it looks so bad. Yeah, you can just, it's just, you know, printed foam core. <laughs> yes. It's bright were... painted with neon for like a, it's a haunted house yeah, or something. Yeah, and like there's neon in the background where like they, I remember, yeah, in the club specifically, there are three panels of all this like, you know, wild neon and I'm just looking I'm like I know that they reuse those in some other scene I'm not going to go back and look for it but I know (laughs) that like these are just like repurposed filler that they use for all the different cool world shots 
Yeah, they have a lower budget than an episode of Legends of the Mayan Temple or whatever the fuck. Yeah, it was. yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, and I, I just remember too, by the way, that from that documentary about Tex Avery, which you should watch, and you know we'll link to it or whatever. The other thing, the quote unquote other thing that I couldn't remember his contribution to pop culture via animation, it was the phrase "What's up, Doc." That oh. that was the the other thing that I couldn't remember. What's up, cock? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, that and, you know, the horny wolf. Like, it's, yeah, you can you can make interesting, engaging things with animation. So why the fuck didn't Cool World? And, yeah, Emma, what you're saying about, yeah, Cool World has got to be, like, this crazy, like, you know, out-of-control place. And the only way that, that Bakshi conveys that is he'll shoot a boring scene of two actors on a cut-rate set with cardboard cutouts, you know, as the scenery. But then he just, like shits animation all over it just to like it, it and it since we're barring you know better comics material it's like pat oswald's uh bit about um doing punch up for animation where it's like hey can you take our like boring unfunny cartoon and like just write in some jokes that you know people you know characters that you'll never see are just gonna shout off screen like that's what bakshi is doing to like try and infuse some kind of coolness into the cool world scenes but, like, it is just so, like, it's this meaningless, distracting chaos that he just, it's non sequiturs of, like, cats being, like, crushed by saves, safes falling from the sky and, like, you know, you was, know a mouse getting hit by Jen a hammer. The, no, and I was telling Jen the little crying bunny that Jen puts in any time, like, um, a conservative is whining because Starbucks made him put a mask on. <laughs> the little crying bunny shows up. Oh, yeah, the Bob <laughs> like, bunny. Jen's- it's the Bob Bunny, but it has no relevance. And I mean, I, maybe I'm being like too nitpicky to be like the wacky cartoon set pieces need to fit into the world, but it really does kind of feel like they're trying to show this crazy cartoon world, but it doesn't really go anywhere. And I guess the gag is like the little bunny like has crocodile tears or something, but is actually like bloodthirsty because the little bunny goes to the popo, but it, it, it goes too quickly. Like there's no real time to like laugh or be amused by it. I mean, even yeah, that, the bunny, like, has... the bunny gets ripped off in, I think, um, I think a dice game on the street, and then turns out to be a Karen, basically. Yeah, goes to, which, goes which to I the mean, cops and go ahead, that, Tim. Yeah, and that that dice game is like a total non sequitur. Like we're introduced to this this gang of four animated characters who, I guess, like you're just like, oh, I guess we're supposed to care about these people now. If they get more character development than fucking Holly does. Holly's like, I'm a vamp and I, you know, want to be like Marilyn Monroe and I want to be real. All right, that's it. That's your now, character. But Tim, then... be, Tim, be fair to Holly. She also dances a lot. Okay, yeah. She, I mean, you, you get, I mean, not not the damn with faint praise, but I mean, Zev is a better developed character from Lex than, than Holly, you know, could ever aspire to be. And they're both like one-dimensional cheesecake. But this, this like yeah. gang of these four, um, these four animated characters, because there's like there, there's like a gray baby, like just like this old baby and like a monster, and a gray like this... disabled baby. Yeah, <laughs> representation and... matters. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and then um, and then I swear, like that lipstick thing is just the the trans woman from Heavy Traffic. I I I think it's the uh, well, it's been done better in you know Roger Rabbit. It's the a man, you know, kind of character. 
Right. Yeah. Just there's it's... nothing more funny than um uh, than uh, than uh, than uh, an ugly woman who might wish to have intimacy. Right. Am I right, fellas? <laughs> that is literally Ugh. the funniest thing I can think of, and the most I, disgusting. The, yeah, the most terrifying thing I can think of. <laughs> uh, but but even that, like that scene is. It, it contributes nothing to the plot, but at least it does have its own arc. Like, there's, there are characters who undergo a, a change for, for whatever reason. The thing that I'm most offended by is all the, like, interstitial animation. Because it, it isn't just the scene of, you know, characters interacting. It is a scene of, like, an alley where the character the main characters leave in a car. The car clears the shot. We see a mouse um, get attacked by a cat. The cat gets uh, a safe falls on the cat. Then someone else comes up and does something to the mouse, and then a safe falls on them. And then the cat gets up and then gets shot by a cannon. And it just and it just goes on and on. And, and yeah, it's never because related the... to and it's never related to. You're absolutely right, though, Tim. Which is like it's never related to live action characters. Uh, we have to go back to Roger Rabbit again because fuck, why yeah. not? But there's those scenes where Eddie's walking around the set and he's bumping into, you know, and walking through and around all these cartoons. Yeah, you get you a, know there's some yeah. stakes to it. Yeah, yeah, but in these ones, you're absolutely correct. Where the two live action characters get in a car and then we get an animated set piece where those characters aren't yes. at all interacting with yeah. that world. Yeah, it's just flat. It's like, here's just a bunch of animated shit that happens. And like, even me as a kid watching this, I'm like, something has to happen, guys. Like, you can't just shoot a cannon at a cat for no reason. Like, there's got to be a, a purpose here. Like, I'm a fucking kid and I know this. Oh, come on, Tim. I know <laughs> then, you. I know that I absolutely know that you would shoot some kind of cartoon clown cannon at a cartoon cat. <laughs> it's so. Yeah, and this, I, I think the I also feel like there might be intentionally avoiding it because yes. every single time a character interacts with a live action character, it's so bad. It's like, dog I mean, shit. It looks terrible. And, 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 and I know. And going back, like I get like Roger at went above and beyond, but like even little things like the little, the little like creepy goon baby will like, you know, poke at Gabriel Byrne and they don't even have the decency to have some poor stagehand offset kind of pull on his shirt a little bit to make it look like it's going going down yeah oh and and that isn't and to compound the the badness of all of it uh you talk about characters interacting with gabriel Byrne because he's got that um you know that desperate uh like crone like crawling all over him and like she like goes down his shirt and like comes out his pants and like that's that's bad enough on its own but the editing of these scenes is the most infuriating part of this because it is just edited without any sense of like continuity. It's just bam, bam, bam. Just like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's another thing. But I'm like, what does all this add up to? It's just, it's a collection of just meaningless shots that don't have any like relevance or, or carry, carry through of any of it. And like, it's, it's what I find most infuriating trying to watch this is trying to like make sense of it. Like you're you're engaged as a viewer to be like, okay, tell me a story, and the movie just refuses to. Yeah, and I feel like their hands were probably tied by a lack of budget, a lack of interest on the part of the studio. You know, not to let anybody off the hook here, um, because it is bad. But it does have a feeling of, of being rushed, of not a lot of artfulness being put into it because, like, uh, I don't know, man, like, that that's going to cost us a lot of green to make that sequence with Gabriel Byrne almost getting raped look better. 
Um, right. And, and Bakshi did make the point, too, about like he's like, when I was working on Wizards, I was doing it for dirt cheap. And that meant that the studio wasn't like up my ass about budgets or anything. Right. When and you see what that what that yields. Yeah. And then with Bakshi already seeming like a guy who absolutely does not play well with others. You just have a recipe for for disaster. And in some cases, a really really eccentric talent can be reined in slightly by structure, such that a studio would give, but in this case, they just kind of squeeze the life out of the project. And I think that the only way in which the movie really shines, apart from... The opening, which is really pretty well made and got my attention and interest in the story, but then as soon as the cartoons come in, the movie just slams right into the fucking ground. Um, Mm. The opening is good, and the backgrounds in the cool world are absolutely breathtaking. They're beautifully painted, like beautiful color palettes. Very demonic. They're... Mm incredible and the animation that they pair with it just falls completely flat by comparison i had a question because i was thinking this rewatching it did either of you see um has been hotel a couple years ago i remember the controversy around that show yeah what it was i don't know i never watched watched it I, I watched it. Um, I feel like the controversy was like kind of like Tumblr, you know, tender babies being sad. Um, yeah, it's not it perfect, <laughs> um, but definitely it's kind of the similar thing. It was one episode animated by like one person and it kind of has similar in my head. I'm kind of like has been hotel is sort of what cool world. Like if it had been relatively competent would have been, it's definitely kind of aimed at a younger audience. It has a lot of a very clear, um, Jonin like Vasquez kind of a Johnny homicidal maniac influence in the art and kind of the, the slightly, kind of edgy, you know, <laughs> yeah. Violent kind of humor. Um, but kind of, um, has been hotels like these really crazy over the top kind of violent, intense cartoonish, like, you know, the, the city. And, um, like I said, I do not think at all it was influenced by cool world, but I definitely kind of got like similar vibes in terms of you're right. Like kind of the dark, like kind of edgy, you know, um, architecture that goes on in the backgrounds. And the one thing that clearly somebody put some time into. <laughs> yeah. And, um, Again, that probably was able to happen at least for a little while because, like you said, it was one person basically working on a thing. A singular you're, vision. Well, you're calling your own shots. You don't have yeah. somebody, you know, tapping their watch or looking at a calendar or, you know, withholding money from you for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, Cool World, you had a very, you know, you had a really singular animator bringing a bizarre story to a studio and it pretty much turned out about as well as you would expect um the original story for cool world is like tim alluded to um kind of the origins of the script are a little murky um yeah because there's like two earlier stories yeah because Mm. there's disagreement between the co-writer of the script and bakshi now michael Grace, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but that's how I'll say it. Um, he did an the interview with Poltergeist. Yeah, thank you for cutting to the chase, Tim. Um, I'll I'll <laughs> link the interview, but uh, he did an interview tell it's basically saying you know Ralph Bakshi's a liar, like it didn't it didn't happen that way. So you can you know choose the narrative you want, I guess. But I guess they uh, 
they had their own, he and his co-writer had a story that was Cool World. And then Bakshi had this concept about a guy going to a cartoon universe and fathering some kind of horrible, like half cartoon, half human hybrid. Right. And very little of that sur- survived on its way to the screen, obviously. Now, I, yeah. And now this raises two questions that are not important. Um, one, if uh, so in the movie, uh, you know, sex between, you know, humans and cartoons, I'm not going to use the movie's fucking parlance, uh, is, is outlawed, you know, by, by Brad Pitt. For whatever reason, the reason being that if it was earlier, if it was the earlier script, it's because you can have a half human, half cartoon baby. But it's like that just means that procreation between humans and cartoons is outlawed. It doesn't mean that you can't like means that you can't, you know, fuck with a condom or something, a cartoon condom, although that would probably be a sentient condom. And then that gets into a whole other (laughs) weird area. But that's, that's neither here nor there. But like. But then in the movie of it, it is if you... So, yeah, you should be able to have sex, just don't have kids with cartoons. But then in the movie, having sex with, with Holly makes her into a human. Um, but then this also raises another question, too. If Gabriel Byrne... Like, there... Because he's been palling around with this cop that is a spider. And, like, if he has sex with a spider, does that become a real spider? I sorry. I, this is my pee because I thought he was a spider too because he has like the the big booty. Yeah. But the more I watch, I notice he has little antennas and he only has like four little comedic arms he uses in little wacky annex. So he's actually like an insect. Oh. Yeah. I thought he was. Yeah. Yeah. No. Huh. I um. I like his design. Honestly, it's one of the few things I like. He has kind of a fun design. Um. He has little fun movements with his hands. He's voiced by Charlie Adler, who's done like a bazillion cartoons. So like he's oh, well yeah. voiced. Yeah, yeah. Maurice Lamarche is all over this one too. I was gonna say yeah. utility player Maurice Lamarche shows yes. shows up in the credits a few times. <laughs> Um, okay, so he's not a spider, but still, I mean, he's an yeah, if he had sex with Gabriel Byrne or you know or whoever like does he turn into like a human insect or or what well i think it's because the 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 rules of this world are not really clear like they don't really tell you what's going to be so disastrous if uh i think if a human has sex with the noid from domino's pizza which would be weird (laughs) do they come in 30 minutes or less you get your money back Tim is absolutely correct, though, which is, like, the rules are very poorly established, and half the time they're just written at the end, like, spoilers, but Brad Pitt dies, and his, like, Betty Boop girlfriend is like, wait a minute, I don't know, she has, like, a little Betty Boop voice, she's like, oh, if a, I, I, I hate the stupid, like, mug- yeah, I hate the stupid muggle-ass, like, names, but whatever. She's basically, like, <laughs> if a cartoon kills a human, the human can become a cartoon, which has never been established in the entire movie. And I'm not like, uh, ding, I'm pedantic about this, but I just kind of feel like something you could have at least foreshadowed. Well, that's you know, the thing, like, it's, yeah. it's definitely something which should have been set up earlier in the movie because that's how fucking movies work you set up and you pay off you you can't just like say stuff at the end and be like oh well actually it's this yeah none of the rules matter until like the point where it becomes an issue be like oh right yeah by the way i should have mentioned this like okay 
Also, when Brad Pitt turns into a cartoon, he turns into the dumbest looking fucking cartoon I've ever I seen. I get pissed every single time. He should look like my anime boyfriend or some shit. You yeah, know what and I mean? you just know and they that give it's him because... little little orphan Annie eyes, and I get so mad. It's so I get fucking so... dumb. And you know that no, it's you could because... probably go to Deviant. No, he should he should honestly look like more Deviant Art ass. He should look like Brad Pitt, but he's like my persona, and he's a fox, but he has like neon rainbow fur and like a big purple phallus <laughs> he should at least look like the you know the main character from the disney robin hood because everybody wants yeah. to fuck that stupid fox <laughs> and you just know that the reason that design is so shitty is because everyone who fucking worked on this movie was like oh yeah i love drawing sexy girls i just love animating sexy girls and then when the point came when they were like okay draw like a really sexy male character they just went uh, well uh, how <laughs> okay but I'm but I'm checking out at five like either way like, yeah like a sexy that, no. a sexy a sexy man I've, I've never heard of such a thing I'm thinking of that meme and it's the character and it did their eyebrows just suddenly narrow no <laughs> yeah <laughs> no <laughs> the, um, I, I will say this the one and I will say one thing that I did like about the animation in this is that Gabriel Byrne's character's daughter, niece, some some chick who's neighbor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the neighbor's daughter, which I could, I, I've watched the movie like I think, like I think it's three times now, like with this, and it never made sense. And I watched it now, and I was like, oh, they barely established this is like the neighbor's daughter. Right, it's yeah. It's so badly done. Yeah, I have no idea who this woman is. But, like, she's younger and seems kind of naive, and I appreciate that they gave her little Orphan Annie eyes. Yes. That, her, that was... her little, her tune Sona looked, um, I guess, Doodle Sona. Fuck this movie. Right, yeah. <laughs> Doodle Sona is appropriate versus Brad Pitt, where you're absolutely correct, which is they've been just, like, drawing, like, Minerva Mink for, like, 50 fucking years and then it's like can, can you do that with a man and they're just like oh my you know that's the yeah, thing so that I, is, I distinctly yeah. remember an episode of Animaniacs where they had they had Minerva Mink do like the horny wolf thing for like a sexy squirrel or something like that so they were a little bit more aware than uh, the Cool World crew but the man I felt so sorry for Brad Pitt in this movie it's he is a yeah, little killed his baby. career like He's... no not like not <laughs> condescendingly or the character just in terms of like you know brad brad pitt's been in the you know the, the acting world now for you know a long time and it's so this was like i think his next movie after a uh, thelma and louise right and he looks like a baby he, it's so unnerving to me because now he's kind of like rugged, handsome. But I'm just like, we're just little birthday boy showing up and talking <laughs> like a uh, Benny from Fallout New Vegas. <laughs> hey, I'm just, I'm just a little birthday I'm a little boy. Guy. I'm just a little guy. I'm just a boy. Don't just hit me with that clown boy. hammer. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's he's okay. Well, he's like 29 or 30. You know, obviously, early he cannot. In his he has to be like twenty three in this movie. No, I think I, I looked it up, and he was like around okay. around thirty years old. But okay. actors actors don't age like you or me. They have they have unknown powers. But um, he's very young in this, and he is so he's he seems so uncomfortable on the screen, like, and it's because he's 
interacting with you know the ping pong ball on the stick or whatever it looks like dog shit bold of you to assume they even had something to figure out where his eye line was at jen that's yeah, true like him because put, it him looks putting terrible. his arm around like his wife or whatever his girlfriend but you know but you can see right through that you're just like oh there's brad pitt like pushing his like elbow <laughs> up into the air on stage yeah, it looks so <laughs> stupid <laughs> they really tried though and yeah like his eyes are rarely in the correct place he seems really uncomfortable with the process i think it kind of, it's slightly prefigured what would happen to the actors on um the star wars Lord of the Rings, yeah um, um well and yeah like the editing again i can't hammer on that enough because also like you talk about because they're trying to limit the amount of you know brad pitt interacting with the cartoons because it's so bad but like there's a scene where he's walking around fucking someone's apartment it doesn't matter and like he like looks over like this one you know cardboard cutout at the the back of the stage and then it like cuts to like three flies playing a poker game or something and then it cuts <laughs> back to him it's like don't ever have any of these things interact just have him look at something cut to something somewhere else and then back to brad pitt it's too like, bad because that's a little bit of a funny gag is like a tiny housefly card game <laughs> But whatever. Yeah, it's I not, just I can't get past the editing. It's so infuriating. No, and it you know, it's it's a potentially funny cutaway, but it doesn't really work because nothing in this movie really works. It's it's all very hastily done. It doesn't really tie into the story or develop further the cool world itself. It's all just there. Yeah, speaking of things yeah. that don't tie into the story, the spike that is established and then forgotten for two acts. I I don't know what the fuck oh. it was supposed to do. I don't know. Yeah, and they kind of, you know, I would... It's giving them too much credit to say that they put a lampshade on that because even, like, that mad scientist at the end is like, hey, the spike does what it wants to. It has unknown powers. It's like, you can't just fucking hand wave that. It's, Here's what bugs so me, which is when the little cartoon guy shows up, um, I forget if him, no, Brad Pitt says this. Brad Pitt's like, me and the little cartoon guy have been like trying to make sure no one gets a spike for ages now. And I'm like, that should be your movie. <laughs> I don't care about Gabriel Byrne trying to, trying, trying to like fuck his anime wife who like, I'm like, this story about like um, a World War II vet who like suffers a horrific loss and then goes into this like weird cartoon world and is kind of recruited to prevent like chaos from unleashing. That's probably a pretty proficient story, you yeah. know? And, <laughs> like, yeah, I, and, and, and I would watch that. Yeah, and Gabriel <laughs> Byrne's character isn't developed beyond just being a horny putz right he was he's... in jail because he killed someone but he's also a cartoonist uh, and there you go yeah mm. and uh the the thing about um what was it the the thing about like the cool world itself too like it exists as a literal place that you can get to by the spike like tearing a hole across dimensions or in gabriel burns case you can just kind of go there accidentally and come back somehow. All right. I don't understand the rules of that. But yeah, like, it's, it's there, implied. Sorry, finish what you're saying, Tim. No, but like uh, the, the other thing, too, is that there isn't even any like metaphorical thing of this like being a fugue state of Brad Pitt's character or like, you know, him going to his happy place or preferring to live in a fantasy world. There's no like metaphorical reading of it. It's just like, oh, I'd rather live in this literal cartoon world rather than the one I came from. It. It, it it's so lazy and flat. I feel like 
any animators or cartoonists who might have worked on this might have been a little uncomfortable about exploring that theme of, hey, like, I'm actually living my life in a world that's completely fictional and avoiding the real world. <laughs> it's, a, it's a shame because that's an actual story. Right. No, and, and to, to the movie's smidgen credit, like, he, Brad Pitt does have a line where his, his trad Betty Boop waifu is like, don't go back there. Or I forget if she, she, no, that's it. She's mad he's going back there. And he does have regrets. And he's like, this world is terrible. Like, you can, when you die, it's for real. Um, yeah. But going back, I feel like this is Brad Pitt should be the main character because his story is interesting. And clearly, like you said, like the, the the topple of like, do I stay in this fun, crazy world with like, you know, ooga girls and, you know, little weird, you know, right. like diaper <laughs> monsters and shit, you know, like, like, you know, or do I go back to this real world, which is full of like pain and suffering and like irreversible loss? That's a story. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's an I actual don't... choice. It's that, yeah. you know, leaving, you know, childish things behind and, you know, accepting, mm-hmm. you know, uh, facing uncomfortable truths or just, you know, living in a fantasy world forever. Yeah, which... <laughs> I, um... I guess, you know, that didn't resonate with anyone. And then, <laughs> you know, it's it, seem, it appears to be a thing which Gabriel Byrne's character is quite happy to do with no resistance at the end of the movie he is such a reactive character and i don't think necessarily reactive characters are bad but like you said i cannot tell you a single thing about him other than he's horny and he killed a man (laughs) i don't even know if he had regrets about killing the guy or if he's like damn straight i'd do it again i don't know they let him out of jail so i I imagine he did the the shawshank redemption right yeah and and got to peace out but i don't know anything about him and he goes into the world and you think there's gonna be this tension of will they won't they when holly wants to fuck him there's not he fucks her immediately and then she's like let's go back to the real world and he's like okay he does nothing nothing he does nothing in this movie things are constantly happening to him and he doesn't even really i want to say he's reactive he doesn't even react to them well yeah because you know it's somebody waving a piece of gaffer tape at him and being like no look over over here over here you get uh the face is gonna be over here yeah yeah you talk about like women in comics being a plot device like gabriel byrne is a plot device like he's wallpaper in this yeah and it's it's funny what you say emma about like you don't know if he's glad that he killed the guy or if you know remorseful or whatever or even if it's it's important yeah and i feel like um and because the movie originally was intended at some point to be a a horror film i feel like that dimension was something which maybe existed in an earlier draft or an earlier treatment because like the you know everything that goes with like killing a partner who cheated on you like that's fucking heavy shit but there's nothing in the movie that's particularly heavy so, you know, it's like, yeah, he's in jail for, I eh, killed a guy or, or something. Uh, yeah, speaking of, like, the uh, the depth with which that is handled, so Brad Pitt is the closest that we have to a developed character in this. And, you know, his job is to prevent, you know, Holly from getting this fucking spike. And that all happens at the top of a casino. And keep in mind, Holly's been, like, this, you know, vamp, femme fatale, um, uh, fantasy girl this whole time 
and I guess she's she's supposed to be kind of the hero in this because she's aspirational. You know, she's on all the movie posters. She's the reason that this movie was written. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I that that I think we can agree on. Um, so she goes. So she's climbing up to the top of the casino to get the spike, and you know, Brad Pitt is on her trail, and she pushes him off the building. Yeah, she's a fucking psychopath. Yeah, like cold, like just ice cold. Like doesn't get you know it doesn't give a fuck. Like sorry, buddy, and like he fucking hits the ground and he dies in the real world. And you're right, Tim. That's the moment where you're like, oh my god, she's a fucking sociopath, right? Like I, I, I mean. You're, you need to develop characters so that when they do stuff, you aren't just, like, floored by, like, okay, I guess this is what they're like now. You know, and maybe it, you know, you could have done a thing where, you know, because Holly is a cartoon, she doesn't understand what it means to die in real life. Like, she, you know, for all we know, she could have assumed that, like, well, you know, I'm just going to push him off the building and, like, he'll do, like, a funny she, she Wiley seems... Coyote bounce. But, no, she just seems, like... A killer, a stone cold yeah, killer. It, it, it doesn't matter to her whether he dies like a cartoon or a person. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and on top of that, too, like you know, yeah. Did did she know? Like, yeah. Would it would it matter either way? Like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing to Holly besides you know one fuck and wanting to be real. And Emma mentioned the scene where she finally fucks Gabriel Byrne. It was. I think I was like halfway through that scene before I was like, oh, wait, they're actually doing it now. Editing. You know, same thing. Yeah. Same yeah. thing because there's that gag where um, her little her little goons, they're, I think I think they're actually are called the goons. So the some the members of the Something Awful Forum. <laughs> pay their, pay their, their resemblance $20. is stunning. <laughs> pay their $20 and demand to watch. Uh, the, the, the joke, I guess, is they just want to watch because they're all little little pervs, as the, the Something Awful goons are. Exactly um, right. Like all, like all cartoonists. So time. Yeah. <laughs> We spend like so all cartoonists, something lie. awful goons are all perverts. <laughs> yep, and they have a little cute set piece where they hysterically like grab like garbage cans and boxes and like stack them up comedically high to be little to be little sickos. Ha ha ha! Yes, yes. <laughs> Try to watch Holly fuck. Um, and yeah, but I had the same thing. I was like, oh, like. I didn't realize they were having sex because they do that weird <laughs> PG-13 thing where she like keeps her bra on during sex, which no human being has ever done in their fucking life. Yeah. It's... I mean, like if it's in an air- airplane bathroom or yeah, something. Like it's yeah. It's in an airplane like, yeah. or like um, a parking lot or something. But like, right. like I said, unless someone has a very specific fetish or like some sort of religious hang hangups. No, like, no, like, right. human being is going into a bedroom with their partner and keeping their fucking bra on. Well, and especially <laughs> because, know? like, there's there's no way that Holly is going to keep her clothes on when she fucks yes. Gabriel Byrne. I'm sorry. And I, I want to see those anime titties. Definitely. <laughs> so I got to see titties in heavy metal. How come I don't get to see the anime titties in Cool World? <laughs> yeah. And our biggest cultural touchstone on this show, too, like Lex, I mean, even Stanley's like seen Zeb's titties, but she won't fuck him. But I mean, like, Holly does want to fuck Gabriel Byrne, and she doesn't, like, she isn't, like, you know, popping her tits out at him, like, at the slightest provocation. Yeah. And so that's she's trying where... to get him to fuck her. Yeah, and that's where, like, the gonzo underground cartoonist doesn't give a fuck sensibility collides 
with the major movie studio sensibility where it's like you know like we can have it's gotta be it we can have her do a sexy dance but you absolutely cannot have her disrobe and so what you end up with is a scene where she's doing a lap dance to Gabriel Byrne and touching his bare chest and it's like okay she's dancing she's dancing she's dancing she's dancing oh I guess she just had an orgasm yeah. Yeah. I it, I wouldn't recognize a woman's orgasm either. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know, they 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 don't want to upset the uh, the cartoon fans in the audience, mm-hmm. but right. Yeah. Those are wholesome Disney fans that came to see Cool World. It's like um, those bronies would get really mad because someone would be like, um, Fluttershy is my waifu and we have sex. And they would like write up like a diatribe about how Fluttershy would never have sex before marriage. Uh, She's a pure little mare. I don't remember. It was like one of those things that got pasted around and copy pasted. But yeah, some some brony was like, oh, I'm married to one of the ponies and we, we fuck. And some other person got very indignant and was like, no, you know, she would never degrade herself like that. Yeah, see, the actual animation fans are so much more like depraved and opinionated <laughs> than this movie was willing to be. That's funny, too, also because... The the guy who's like, yes, I'm married to a cartoon horse and we fuck is more normal than the guy who's like, no, she doesn't have sex. You're disgusting. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, bronies. Um, yeah, yeah I like, like, like fuck my horse. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, yeah, and funny thing about um, again the ostensible director of this movie, Ralph Bakshi, um. I'm sure most of you know that uh, early in his career, Bakshi did an animated version of Robert Crumb's character, Fritz the Cat. And there was some disagreement between the two eventually on, like, you know, the treatment of... of... Ralph Bakshi had a disagreement with another creator? No. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but I repeat myself. Um, Yeah. Strange but true. What Emma said, uh, Crumb was so unhappy with the treatment of Fritz the Cat that he killed off the character in a comic. Um, And there's an interview where he talks about how Bakshi is, you know, he says something about how, like, you know, I just don't really don't like his repressed horniness, just implying that the guy is some kind of fucked up pervert. And I remember reading that and just thinking, man, you know, when R. Crumb says you're a creepy pervert, your life has gone wrong somewhere. Yeah, Jesus you really need Christ. to like reevaluate. You need to be like SpongeBob, like you know, staring at his coffee and the crusty crab. Be like, <laughs> I gotta reevaluate my life here. Yeah. So, um, and you know, there might be a lot where you, there, it might be that. Bakshi is just really difficult to work with, and that has a lot to do with why the movie went south. I might give him a little bit of a pass in this one because, like, there there are very few people who can fight a movie studio and win. And because, as Emma pointed out, the movie is really so such a pale imitation of kind of the Bakshi vision, you almost can't 
necessarily blame the guy for a lot of it. I think you can blame him for a lot of the directing choices. I think there were a substantial amount of reshoots on this and like unusable footage and whatnot. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid to ask what the Bakshi vision is. <laughs> Heavy traffic? Just rotoscope. Yeah. Rotoscope of Nazis marching in the street and they're <laughs> fighting like horny Tex Avery wolves. Like <laughs> frame. cartoon, like cartoon gag. What a beautiful tableau. Cartoon gag, domestic violence, um, like the Lockhorns if they were X-rated. Probably a little more transphobia as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, something mm. like wow. that. And uh, you know, like I said, befo- like mm-hmm. I said before, I did get sucked in to heavy traffic despite not being a Bakshi fan. I might even finish the rest of the movie. I probably will be stoned. Um, I don't think I'll be watching Cool World again. You can, yeah, you can make me watch that or Wizards, which sucks because I have, you know, a genre friend who is into all this stuff and he likes Ralph Bakshi and just like, I fucking don't want to bring it up around him. Like, I hate the man's work. Emma, how many Bakshi films have you seen? Um, a good amount. Um, my, my Bakshi origin story is before I got into anime, um, my my little early teenage self was very intrigued at the idea of like adult-oriented animation. So, um I watched uh, Spawn on HBO, which I watched a few years ago. It holds up surprisingly well, which is really cool. Um, Probably better Heavy than Metal, the movie. Of course. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, much better. Aeon much Flux, better. The Max. Yes, watch that. Liquid Love. Television. Yes, yes, The Max. Um, God, I... I I don't, I don't know. I need to reread it, but like, um, love the max. Yeah, that shit. So of course I, I divulged into Ralph Bakshke. Um, like I said, like you all said, he has a vision. His stuff is, even if you don't like it, it's interesting to watch, you know, sometimes. Um, so I've watched a good amount of his things. I'm trying to think. So wizards, um, heavy traffic, fire and ice. Um, I feel like I'm missing one or uh, like American pop. Yes, and that is the one I will like sincerely like be like no it's good actually. That is the one I will like honestly like defend. That's funny because um I rented it once and could not finish it. <laughs> but No, and like it's uh, here's my thing though about it. Like I will personally like defend it or be like why I like it, but on the other hand, it's also peak Bakshki, it's like, I don't need a plot. I just need rotoscoping of people <laughs> dancing the swing music. And I'm just like, wow, this is brilliant. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but there's, like, there's aspects of it I like, but I don't think anyone else has to like it. Right. And, <laughs> and maybe it is yeah. good, but I mean, like, I'm, I'm 0 for 2 with Bakshi. And, and at this point, I'm like, I'm just, you know, wasting good, good time after bad. You know, to, to go back and, like, you know, maybe explore the rest of the guy's work. I mean, I did that with, um, with you know, Von, Von Trier's, you know, body of work because I'm on the fence about him. But at this point, I'm just like, I don't know what I'm going to get out of watching the best Ralph Bakshi movie. Yeah, and I did take a look at his most recent animated work, which is a, it's not feature length. It's a, it's... I think a little less than half an hour, and it's called the The Last Days of Coney Island. This was a project that I believe he kickstarted. It's on YouTube, so you can check it out. And I did actually like the aesthetic, which was kind of like a, I don't want to say Pollock, but like that kind of that era of painting. All of his really grotesque kind of 
twisted characters and you know the same thing he does with dialogue where he seems to record dialogue like almost at random and then animate to it so you have these weird disjointed conversations you know I think it's the kind of thing which would be fun to watch stoned you know it's less than half an hour it's not coherent (laughs) you know that's like a thing which you've said a lot about his movies like there there doesn't seem to be a story I mean you okay like maybe it's like a tone poem about Coney Island or something but I didn't watch it and go like wow like I really I really underestimated this guy like it's this is this is a really a uh complete holistic work it's like no it's like all right you know that's uh that's kind of a cool look like good for you um yeah it's like I get what you're saying I don't care but I understand what you mean yeah yeah no and I like that you both say that because it's like yeah like you don't care or have to like it but you get what he's you know what he's going for cool world just like what yeah <laughs> what is this even for <laughs> who's gonna pay for this yeah. yeah it's not for like the studio didn't get what they want but actually didn't get what he wanted uh you know the writer didn't get what he wanted you know because his name is on it um and yeah so it's like who's this movie even for it's not for grown-ups it's not for kids as we learned from tim it's not for teens yeah god <laughs> no. still mad about it like 30 years later yeah and i don't even know um i don't ugh. you know like when you get in deep into fandoms you will run into stands people who will apologize for even incredibly flawed or just plain bad work but i don't know does anybody spend any energy trying to defend cool world or is it indefensible uh, more fools us like for doing an I... episode about it <laughs> a co-worker when I worked at Universal Studios who really liked it. That's um, so weird. She had done, yeah, no, but to be fair to her credit, um, she had done every single drug known to man <laughs> and just liked things that were kind of like crazy and neon. And I asked her once and she said that's why she liked it. And going back to, like I said, me like an American pop, it was like, I don't have to agree with you, but I respect where you're coming th- from. <laughs> Yeah, like in terms of something that you just kind of put on to experience while stoned, I mean, all right, you know, if you have kind of like basic taste. No, I don't. I mean, like I said, she was not to, like I said, not not to go into like this this girl. Like I worked with her and she was chill, but like we had in-depth conversations or to really judge or critique her merit, Um, you know, but, you know, she didn't really strike me as someone who was super in-depth or interested in like kind of like, you know, art or kind of indie TVs and stuff. And I, I highly, highly doubt she ever actually watched Cool World in like any state of sobriety, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I... Sorry, Tim. Go, no, go I was going to say, yeah, and, and, and as for me to weigh in, like, you know, I I know animation. I know what I like. I, I know what I like about animation, and Cool World doesn't have any of that in it. Yeah. That, that, I, that's it. Yeah, I would yeah. say, and, you know, since I'm always the one on the show who's like, well, you know, let me think of something nice to say about it. I would say that um, the backgrounds are very well painted, and it's got kind of a banging soundtrack. Okay, I will say that about the soundtrack. The soundtrack is great. It has a lot of great artists on it. It's got ministry. Yeah, yeah. Ministry, which is unexpected, to say the least. It's got, you know, My Life with a Thrill Kill Cult, which, you know, they also, you know, were great on the Crow soundtrack. The Crow soundtrack being just, like, a perfect album. Um, What's it? Uh, Electronic, the, like, 
the side project between uh uh you know Bernard Sumner from uh New Order and um Neil Tennant. Uh yeah, Neil Tennant from Pet Shop Boys. Um yeah, I laughed when London, I saw it's got that. Moby. Yeah. <clears throat> I laughed when I saw the electronic song on the soundtrack cuz it was like, man, like this could have been like a really a really Tim movie, but they fall the ball on that. Yeah, yeah and I and I a Tim movie is a pretty low bar too. I mean, like Black Dog and um, what Mad Dog Time, I guess, are like you know the the two like touchstones for what qualifies as a Tim movie. Wagons East, uh, Almost Heroes. Oh God, poor poor Gabriel Byrne. He was in this and Mad Dog Time. Oh geez, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who's who is allowing him to be in these roles? He should just be Claudia Black stand in and just be done with it. You know what's um, funny is that we we haven't even mentioned Kim Basinger. Who? I have <laughs> the craziest story about her doing this movie. Um Jen, you might you might know this already, but going back to who's the movie is for, Kim Basinger made it because she wanted to like show it to children in hospitals. <laughs> wow. Like she maybe thought like, it was going maybe to like be like a fun terminal cases. <laughs> That's a fucked thing to do to somebody who's in palliative care. I'm sorry. That's not a death with dignity, Kim. I mean, she she Maybe this will finish him off. She looks good. I remember a review where, um, and I don't remember if it was a, it was probably an LA Times review because that was what I read back in the day because it was, I think Calendar was right next to the comics section. Um, I recall a review where somebody said about Kim Basinger that she's just not as sexy as the hall as the cartoon holly which is kind of unfair but also kind of true like uh, i you thought know. that also and it's i mean but here's my thing she's next to a cartoon yeah you know like yeah, the cartoon no, is the distilled sexiness like yeah. yeah and it's like no she's not an unattractive person but she's beautiful going, yeah yeah but going back to like watching hollywood who's like drawn like you know like just like i said she she's your anime waifu she's flawless and now you're like oh a three-dimensional female oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, gross she has knees and eyelids <laughs> yeah and um you know if this movie had been made like 30 years later like as soon as holly turned real gabriel Byrne would have been like oh disgusting i don't i'm not interested in 3d women and he would probably be some kind of anime nazi on twitter <laughs> he's uh the real reason he was in jail is because he stormed the capital january <laughs> like any of those people are gonna see the inside of a jail cell not even jay johnston from mr show um oh yeah was he just like on the lam this whole time apparently but can't um, get arrested in this town kim basinger is a very beautiful woman she is game enough in this movie you know trying to do you know doing a little bit of comedy she does a little bit of singing with <laughs> hilariously frank sinatra jr um She's fine, but, you know, it's not like the material is doing her any favors. It's not like she has a chance to get real chemistry with her co-star. Uh, Gabriel Byrne just seems to be like, I don't, f- I don't fucking know, man. Like, just, you know, <laughs> draw whatever you want on me. Like, I'm just collecting a paycheck. Brad Pitt looks really uncomfortable. Doesn't know where his eyes are supposed to go. It's just, uh, I, f- I feel bad for the cast. Yeah, it's just a, it's a waste of everyone's time, including ours and our listeners. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> I, 
I would like to suggest that you all watch <laughs> Liquid Television, though, because that shit is so sick. Yes. Yeah, yes. watch Liquid Television. Listen to the Cool Cool World soundtrack. I mean, it's if got ever David this was Bowie a movie on to it. Be, yeah, if ever this was a movie to be oh, heard and not David seen. Oh, that was actually David Bowie? Yeah, that's David yeah. Bowie at the end. Oh, my God. I didn't know. I was like, oh, look at this movie. They have, like, David Bowie knockoff. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was David yeah. Bowie in his black tie, white noise phase. I think he had just married Iman. Yeah, this is like nascent industrial music on here too. It's very yeah. 90s, but like it's it's a perfect encapsulation of that like, you know, wax tracks kind of era. It's, it's now, really worth checking out. The movie sucks. Speaking of industrial, before we close out, um mm-hmm. I want to ask you two, uh have either of you seen The Haunted World of El Superbisto? <laughs> you know no, I've seen that. I know I have not. I know what you're talking about, but I never actually saw it. Which leads me to wonder what Rob Zombie thinks of this movie. Ooh. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Is he on Twitter? Can we, like, add him? Be like, excuse me, Mr. Zombie, sir. Have you seen Cool World? <laughs> Mr. Zombie, when, when you are not slamming in the back of your Dragula. <laughs> um, yeah, like, because... I guess that movie... Tim and I tried watching that movie once, and... It's so dull. It's really stupid, it, and I know yeah. it was Rob Zombie's kind of stab at adult animation because it's got titties and Nazis in it. I guess that's what you do when you do grown-up animation. You put in Nazis and you put titties. Um, right, yeah, two things that are m- the most, like, outre for a 13-year-old. They did it in The Wall, you know, Gerald Scarf. They did it, yeah. you know, they did it in Ralph Bakshi does it in all his movies. Yeah, so Nazis and titties. But, um, yeah, so if anybody knows what Rob Zombie thinks of Cool World, write in. Yeah. It probably didn't have enough titties for him. Yeah, it didn't have any titties. Ooh, what do you think Glenn Danzig thinks of Cool World? Oh, he, I'm sure he aspires to that level of artistry. Yeah, he he's got it on the sh- on the shelf with all of his werewolf books. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there uh, anything else he... that we No, go ahead, Tim. No, I just want to say Glenn Danzig is just like, I don't know. He's he's like a a junior in high school or school he never grew up. You know, bless the man. <laughs> And he makes movies like it. (laughs) Um, Is there anything else that we want to say about Cool World? Don't don't watch it. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to watch it. There's, like you said, there's liquid television. There's, you know. um, There's Ren and Stimpy. There's Ren and Stimpy. There's anime. There's other Ralph Bakshke films if you are so inclined. You know what? No you one can, needs to watch Cool World. You can go on YouTube right now and look up Heavy Traffic, and you'll spend a reasonably diverting hour and a half. Even I will admit that. The yeah. only reason you need to watch Cool World is if your ADHD and or autism is giving you a hyperfixation on Brad Pitt and you're determined to watch every single movie he's he's been in. <laughs> Other than that, you don't need to watch Cool World. Yeah, yeah. There's uh there's Akira, there's Spike and Mike's fucking twisted animation. Like that that's like a, a that is like a giant compared to what we get from Cool World. And that's no, just like, Beavis here's a collection of random or King of Beavis the Hill. Butthead, King of the Hill, The Simpsons. You are like, uh, you're like Simpsons on Tracy Ullman. Like you are spoiled for choice of better animation from this era. Yeah. And, you know, if you if you need anime recommendations, just hit mm. up Emma on Twitter, Hyenas and Jin. Yes, good animes, and the animes with um, problematic neoliberal themes. That's exactly right. Check it out, Hyenas and Gin on YouTube. 
video essays. I had one more thing. Speaking of, uh, if we can wedge us in, speaking yes, of bad Columbo. editing. Yes, uh, one, one, one last thing, Jen. Jennifer. <laughs> uh, the editing in this movie is, is just demonstrably terrible. The worst edit. It was a bad edit then, and it, it, it fucked me up like since then because there, there's a point where a new character is introduced, and I thought as a kid I must have just not been paying attention, but then, you know, 30 years later, it fucking got me again. Uh, Gabriel Byrne turns into a superhero at one point. Blink and you fucking miss it. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I, that, I... we did not address that at all. And the reason you miss it is because there, like, the point where the movie lost me is Gabriel Byrne, um, he appears, you know, with his jet black hair in a black sport coat behind a blackened sky. For like six fucking frames, he appears behind Holly, <laughs> Sna- snapping my fingers and trying. He then he turns into an orange jump, like an orange spandex superhero with a different voice. That is a separate fucking character. Yeah, like, and um, because I was like, oh, like is that's not Gabriel Vern- Burns' voice? That's weird. And I got what had happened because I okay, here comes the superhero to save the day. But I was like, huh, that's weird. They didn't do anything with him turning into the superhero or anything like that. Like, they didn't even... Oh, that... You know how they could have yeah. faked it? They could have um... had him walk into a, like... Uh, there could have been a cartoon phone booth on the roof of the, mo- there, the hotel. There could have been yeah. fucking anything. And he could have walked in and then walked back out. And that actually would have been pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, and they I mean... They do that thing, though, and it bugged me. They're like, he's going to be who he always wanted to be, a hero. Yeah, I'm like, this has fu- never been established. She killed no, a man. No, that's true. <laughs> because he's, and that's not, that- he's never been heroic. He's always just been like a, a horny dork who like was yeah. like, hey, I'm out of jail. And who, by the way, like really got back on his feet extremely quickly after being in jail for murder. Like, he yeah, had a, like yeah. he, he had a and fully they, furnished place. house to go to. Yeah. Like, yeah, and they did that Pat Nozzle thing I was talking about earlier, where it is the, like, mad scientist off-screen being like, oh, he's fulfilling his destiny of becoming a hero, because that is not shown by his actions. Like, no. it is not established. It's just like, look, we just need to, like, dub this in to, like, cover up this one plot hole. It's kind of what they had John Candy do on uh, the movie Hot to Trot. Like, they had a really stupid talking horse movie, and he basically ad-libbed all the dialogue himself. Well, you know, I I guess if you don't have a funny movie, that's what you bring in a And it worked really well. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we need to cover that one, then. I mean, you had great lines like uh, about Mr. Ed. You'd be moving your lips, too, if some stagehand was shoving a carrot up your butt. (laughs) <laughs> is that apocryphal or has that been verified? Uh, I do not know if the horse that played Mr. Ed was ever sodomized with a carrot. All right. Well, the, we'll we'll answer that and then put that up on our Patreon. <laughs> hey, everyone. It's Jen again. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like that, why not check out our Patreon? We're at patreon.com slash have you seen this. And for a pledge of as low as $2 a month, you get a whole two extra bonus episodes a month. So check us out there at patreon.com slash have you seen this. Thanks again for listening, everyone.